Well, today um, I'm here with Frank Kidenia. He's um, a fellow financial advisor. Um, we're doing a bit different today because we have caught up a few times and just been chatting about what's going on and the challenges our clients are facing. And we thought we would talk about how to future proof your finances. Mm. Um, so it's not really an interview. It's a, a nice conversation um, that both Frank and I have sort of thought about and talked about and thought it's really valuable for people to actually have a listen in um, no matter where you are. Um, you don't have to be in Australia, you know, everyone has their sort of retirement savings plan. So what we're sharing is a really good way, really good ways and ideas on how we can actually get through times like this. And in the past we've had the GFC. So we've had, we've seen some serious ups and downs and the ones that we're facing, we don't know how long this is going to last. So this is a really mm. important time to think about how we can get our finances in order and how we can manage that throughout the rest of our lives. Um, so, Frank, we were talking the first thing, the key thing for was cash flow and savings. Um, what sort of the um, – I straight away go into the whole uh, interview state <laughs> – so, but so you just stop me. So is you just stop me. But we were talking about how how important cash flow is, and I focus on that first and foremost with my clients because I see it really gives me a big picture on where people are at with their finances. Mm. Um, how do you deal with that with your clients? So what strategies do you use? Yeah. So I mean. One of the first things I think about uh, with every client is that do they actually know where the money is going? Right, right. Now, most people have got no clue where the money is going, right? So, so it's getting a hold of all of that. Now, I don't have time to go through, you know, credit card statements and things like that. But actually asking people to sit down and actually write, even for an entire week or even a day, where they've actually spent money. It's actually incredible where you find um, how people spend money. And I find even for myself... Um, I was, you know, being in lockdown, you know, working from home, you know, um, I've come from an environment where, you know, you're in an office all day, you know, you 10 o'clock, you get up, you go buy a coffee, right? Lunchtime, you're going to get some lunch. And so, so you get into this habits of spending money. So I found myself the other day, I'm at home and I felt like, oh, I need to go out and get a coffee. So I went out to Westfields and of course you get a coffee and then you think, oh, I need to get something for lunch and or, you know, the kids need X, Y, and Z. And before you know it, I'm coming out and I've done a full shop. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that happened to my husband yesterday. He, he came. Yeah. Was it yesterday? Yeah. He came in and went, I've just spent nearly $300 at Woolies. I'm like, yeah, exactly. it happens. Yeah. And the issue with that for me was, hang on, it wasn't just the one day. You know, two or three days later, I've gone in and done the same thing. Right, and before you know it, um, I, I come back and I look at, well, hang on a second, what was my weekly budget to towards grocery shopping and things like that? Mm. And I had spent three times the amount. And um, so writing down where your money goes, you can actually really find some of the habits that we have. I think sometimes Absolutely. we just have habits, right? So, so we spend money, yeah. And, and being in lockdown, I think we actually spend more money than we actually think because we want to get out and, and go and do things like that yeah people like, get cabin fever or yeah. yeah sorry interrupted people get cabin fever or they want to buy they do online shopping and um yeah so i actually what i do with my clients mm. is 
I get them to, um, it depends on what work I'm doing for them. Some clients actually hand this to me and go, look, show me how to do it. And I'll look at 90 days. I either get them to look at their like 90 days and of transactions or I do it and I do it in a spreadsheet. And then I can see, like I will basically uh, order it out and I can see their fixed expenses. So, you know, they can see AGL, then you've got Foxtel and you tell story and you can sort of see what actually comes out every month. So you've got three months worth of that stuff. And then you can start seeing the coffees and the, the lunches, the dinners out, the online spending or, you know, childcare costs or whatever the case may be. So once I've got all that information, mm. I then really get an you know, actual figure. Look, this is what you spend on fixed. And that goes out of one yeah. account. This is what your variables are. That means every week or fortnight or month, wherever, whatever cycle your pay is in, um, is all you've got. That's, that's your net that you can play with, that's it. And then there's a savings bucket that I make sure that there is an amount that goes into a savings. Um, So like we discussed um, when we did the last podcast with you, you know, there's a, we need to have that safety net of um, savings for the rainy day. The rainy day is calm. COVID-19 was the rainy day for the entire world. So we're now all aware that there's going to be a time where the money runs out, the income stops, all that kind of thing. So what, and how much is that going to look like? Well, everybody's different. But going back to look at the fixed costs is the first port of it's call critical. going yeah. critical. It, mortgage or rent, you know, the electricity, the phone bill, those things that uh, have to be paid, they're the, that's a first insight to really know, okay, if I have no income over the next three months and we're because of lockdown and I'm on JobKeeper, how much was I supposed to really have in my savings? We'll have a look at those fixed costs over the three months. That's a great start. And start working on a savings plan to ensure that you've got those three months or if be- even better, six and going on. That's sort of my theory yeah. on the cash flow plan that I do with my clients. Yeah, I mean, and I think as well, like uh, for most people, you know, you've got a secure job, you know, you, your income is coming in every week you never really think about that day when, you know, you don't want to have a job. Like my next door neighbor here, um, she's a uh, flight attendant for Virgin right now. Mm. She never thought, and it's a big airline in Australia, reputable, they're, you know, they, you know, it's an airline, it's a blue chip company, right? She never thought that her job would be at risk. And, you know, um, so, and I've seen, I've seen what she had to go through effectively. She had to go, retrain luckily for her had a background in nursing so she was actually able to go into the COVID for her she, was, she went to basically um uh, like a hotel where you got you got lockdowns and um and look after people because of her nursing background but for her wow. it was a big shock having basically one day just being stood down and saying well there is no more work for you and yeah. um and she was able to bounce but I'm thinking there are so many other people that have got no safety net. There is no. no rainy day fund at all. And um, mainly because we've always had money coming in, there's always a backstop, right? But mm-hmm. I think COVID's really simply highlighted that we actually can't survive that long without money coming in. Even the companies that we actually work for, they can't survive that long without money coming in. So, so it, it highlights how important it actually is to really have that safety net aside. Absolutely. So I definitely agree with 
agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of safety nets, we talked about uh, future proofing um, our finances mm. with um, insurance. Now we've done, you and I've done a, a big full podcast on that. So I won't talk too much about that, but that is also something that's really important when COVID's, um, when we first went into lockdown, a lot of people contacted me and went, um, I want to just check on my income protection or uh, update it to make sure that my sums insured are correct. Because, you know, that a lot of people who I've been saying get this sorted out all of a sudden started listening to me going, oh, you're right, we've got to get this done. Um, I just sort of think it's a critical thing. Um, so if you want to know more about insurance, be pleased to go and have a listen to the podcast that Frank and I have done. But income protection is also important um, not to a lot. There's a lot of misconceptions, as you probably know, that people think income mm. protection can say stop. You know, step in if you lose your job. That's not the case. It is if you cannot work due to accident or illness. So anything that's going to prevent you from working because you're physically unable to. Um, so those who do get uh, suffer from COVID, for example, and it's severe, and as we've seen all over the world, it could be. Um, you know, that's where income protection would be able to support you. Yeah, and and um, having a family, one of the things that um, having gone through the whole claim process myself, one of the things that I find really interesting is that um, you can be you're very you're focused on your recovery, but you're not worried about you. You're actually worried about the well-being of your family, right? So the other side of income protection is that you you know it gives you that sense of security that you can actually focus on your recovery and not worry so much about am I going to lose the house. You know, how mm -hmm. am I going to make the mortgage repayments? And um, for a lot of people, they're having to come back to work too early before I suddenly came back to work too early because I, you know, I kind of felt like I want to go back. But probably, you know, two, two or three more months would have been fantastic for me just to fully recover, get your confidence back and things like that. But um, yeah. yeah, so definitely agree with you. Most people, and, and people think about income protection from, from the point of view of cost. Right? Um, how much yeah. does it cost me? How much am I paying for this? And it's mainly because it's one of those things where you don't get the benefit of it right now, right? Um, like I've started, <clears throat> I'm doing this fitness program right now, and early on, you know, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm not seeing the results. I'm not getting fit. And then I had a workout just the other day, and I felt like, oh, this is this is fun. This is you know, this is I'm getting fit now. And it gives you that more confidence to go and do more and work a bit harder. And um, so I liken that to when I can't work, well, I've got somebody else who's working very hard for me. And that's, and that's how I view, you know, the insurance piece. And, and yeah. certainly looking at, at you know, um, coming back to the budget as well, is thinking, well, how can I make room in my budget to basically afford the income protection? And if I really can't, is there any other ways to structure that? That, that way I've got some safety net, which there are, being advisable, yes. we know about those other ways. But, yes. but it's actually making room for that and, and making it a priority. in your Absolutely. And I do encourage anyone who's listening to seek advice around their insurance plan. A lot of people think it's as simple as just going online, something like Choosy or whatever, you know, and, real and insurance, just yeah. real insurance. Yeah. But... Um, it's important to get a professional to have a look at it and also look at the affordability because you don't want to get yeah, in, yeah. in a situation where you've got insurance and then it's not structured to fit your budget and all of a sudden you can't make the payments or 
you know, and it's lapsed and you think it's still going and then, you know, you don't want to be in that position. You can, there are ways of, of structuring it so you've got it in place um, and, you know, that's the job of the advisor to really assist you with that. Um, yeah. Now, mm. speaking of advice, uh, one thing, I'm going to go backtrack a bit. About this safety net, one thing mm. I do with my clients is when we get to a certain level of savings, then we look at, okay, you've got this really good um, habit now, a really good discipline of saving every, you know, every paycheck. So now we want to actually look at savings to invest. Um, and this is another incredible way of future-proofing our finances. Um, now, before anyone goes, Rosie Rising goes, hang on a minute, I'm on JobKeeper, I have no income, how am I supposed to invest? Well, we all have an, actually, an actual investment plan, which is, you know, in a way of, superannuation so be mindful of that so when we're talking about investing there are other options here not just about investing outside of super or if you're you know listening in so uh, in new zealand or the uk you've got kiwi pension uh, kiwi saver the uk pension uh 401k in the us so there are these safety nets there that actually invest money for you so it's really important that you find out how your money's invested but um, this is a subject that you and I really got carried away in last time uh, just on our phone call about how we can, as advisors, improve our clients' investment port, uh, portfolios in these current envi- mm. this current environment because you really love all this stuff. So we're going to go into a bit more detail about, um, you know, things to look at when you are investing. And please note this is a disclaimer. This is general advice. This is you need to speak to a financial advisor about this stuff. But what we want you to do is actually start questioning what you are invested in, how, you you know, where you're at, you know, how many assets you are, they, are they diversified, all those kind of things. Um, and what does it mean to be conservative or, def, you know, or defensive or on the other spectrum of growth or aggressive? Yeah. So I'm going to give you well, some, yeah, you take it away there, Frank. Yeah, well, so I had a client just um, just over the past two weeks, and um, you know, single mum, got two kids, and she works in childcare, and you know, um, so she's not earning a lot of money, and literally living day to day, week to week, and one of the things that um, she found herself in a bit of difficulty, right? Um, she couldn't pay her car, so her car got repossessed, and of course, she got on the phone with me, and I, you know, helped her out uh, with that, and then. One things that we spoke about was, well, hang on a second. If you're struggling today to pay for your bills, what's your plan when it comes to, because she's now 42, right? And I'm thinking, well, you've only got so many years that you, you really want to work for. You know, how is your super going? How, what, what's your long-term um, investment savings plan look like? She goes, well, I've got no idea. I've got this super thing, but I've got no idea how it works. I don't know how to make it work better for it. You know, I don't, I've got no idea how to make it work. So we spoke about, about how super works and uh, we did, you know, a budget for her as well. And it was tough, but she can afford 50 bucks a week, right? Um, and for her, it was more, okay, I, can't, I don't see it. I'm happy to put 50 bucks a week into it and let it work for me. And it turns out that based on how she's going at the moment, and likely she's young, she, she, she's been able to do this early, just by putting that little bit extra into her super and paying a bit more attention to it, that she'll get into a place where she can effectively replace almost 75% of her current income in retirement. 
right? Wow. Yeah. She, she didn't see herself as being somebody with money or somebody who can actually have a comfortable lifestyle. Um, so, so simple things like that, it can actually really help, you know, really make a big difference in the long term. The other part was uh, I was speaking to uh, an older couple and they're in early 60s and, um, and asset rich, cash flow poor. And what they wanted to do is basically get some money out of super to help them um, with, with, with you know, daily living expenses, mm-hmm. mainly because they had planned to downsize their home. And unfortunately, their home, well, fortunately, their home is under compulsory acquisition from the government. So they can't do anything with it now until that goes through. And that could be two years, three years, four years, who knows. So we spoke about, you know, how to go about getting money out of super, which was fine. But then I asked them, so, you know, how do you feel about your, you know, your investments in super? And she said, I have got no idea, no clue. So, so again, I went through the process of, you know, educating about how, you know, how the investments work within super. And, um, and after that, they kind of felt comfortable with where the money was at. So I guess what I'm highlighting here is um, education about the different types of, number one, you know, where is my money being invested and how does that investment work? And what are the risks with it is very, very important. And it, you don't have to know a lot but you do have to have some sort of understanding of what's a growth asset, you know, what, what's the risk with a growth, with a growth asset, right? And do I see myself as somebody who is a risk taker or, you know, do I see myself as somebody who's very conservative? And if I'm either one, what are the pros and what are the cons of it? And, and really, and the advisor can really help you with that. Um, but I also feel that you know, people need to, you know, a lot of my clients, I, I do, before I make any recommendations, I want to make sure that they understand, you know, what that means. Because ultimately, it, that whatever decision they make today would, would impact the outcome they get at the end. So, Yeah, 100%. Well, we, we're talking about doing a webinar, and this is absolutely one of the most, like, the hot topic of that webinar, I believe. We, we could actually even go through showing people a statement and breaking down what the asset allocation is and, and that meaning mm. um, where the money is being invested. So assets are, you know, it could be property, could be, you know, direct sh- shares, so equity, and they could be overseas, they could be international or uh, domestic. So on your statement, you'll see a pie chart and on that pie chart, it'll actually have um, a breakdown of these assets. Now, one of my clients um, came to me early this year, very early this year, just before COVID, um, and his super was doing really well and his wife, she was doing, they were both doing really well. Um, and I did my research and had a look at everything and I thought, oh, gosh, one of the one of the investments, so he had two super funds and he needed to consolidate one of the super funds, which was the highest uh, value, um, mm. so highest balance there, was in only one asset class. When COVID hit, because there wasn't diversification, which means um, multiple, uh, multiple different uh, assets, so that, you know, some assets are going to do really well in this kind of environment, some are going to do so bad, not so good, that it evens out and sort of at least is still going up. Because it was only one asset and that asset value went down, there was no other assets to offset that downfall. 
So when it came to COVID and, and you know, when really things went sour for us in March, um, you know, that loss wasn't actually recovered. That loss, whereas everywhere else I saw when you've got diversified investment, there was recovery because it was in one asset. So it's really important to understand how your super is invested or how your retirement savings are invested. And it's really important to consider being diversified. As they say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So um, that was a big lesson um, in f for me as well, just to, you know, I, I've got to be more pushy as a, I, I didn't realize we don't know what's going to be happening around the corner. We weren't expecting COVID to happen. So meeting him in February and seeing this situation, I've gone, well, that's not ideal. Come back to him. This is my recommendation. But his decision-making was very slow. So then this happened. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't pushing and pushing and pushing. And I sort of go, oh, I, there's a loss of opportunity there. I could have pushed harder. Yeah. but. Does that mean that he's going to make those decisions quick at faster or would that push put him off? So you've got to also think about when, when you're getting some advice, um, what the ramifications are and not taking that advice up as well. Um, Actually, so that's, that's a really good point. That's a really good mm, point. Because there is always going to be opportunity or loss of opportunity. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that was a big lesson for me in, in this year in, with what's happened as an advisor. Um, and a hard lesson for my client as well. What we've had to do is re-strategize his retirement plan. Um, and it, look, it's only extended his retirement plan by about 18 months because we're also doing more salary sacrificing um, mm -hmm. for him, you know, and so it, it's okay, but it, it has definitely set him back a little bit. But what, you know, the other factor is, is, is the mindset. It's that fear and, you know, We've, we've seen that happen before and people get very scared. So it's, it's really important to be on top of these things so that that diminishes the fear as much as possible Yeah, and, and have and, and these conversations with, with professionals. Uh, absolutely. And, and doing it, um, the, the, there's one thing that's certain. We're going to have more disasters. We're going to have more issues come up, right? Um, but we've got no idea what kind of returns we're going to go and get. Right, so what that really means is that it's very important to be really well diversified. And what I tend to find with my clients is that um, I I tell them you you want to make the decisions about what you're going to do when you know things go bad right now. And the reason why you're going to do that right now is because you, you're in an emotional state to actually make a good decision. Make sure your portfolio is well diversified. It's too hard to do that after things have gone bad, right? So you buy your insurance before the hurricane comes in. And when the hurricane comes in, well, you've got the insurance in place already, right? So, so that's how I kind of view it. And what's really interesting about, um, if I look at what's been happening, especially for, for retirees, right? Over the last 10 years, we've preferred having money in the bank account, right? So in a term deposit, it's been preferred investment. Why? Well, it's safe and I get an interest rate return and that's going down to zero now i mean you invest money mm. in a term deposit you get no money hardly anything hardly anything right and the other side to this people have gone to well dividends i want to go and buy you know bank shares because they give me a nice good dividends and what they've we've seen COVID, they've been hard right so so if all if everything was in that one basket then all you're seeing is that um you know your income and your investments are being impacted 
So doing it early is very, very important. The other strategy I think about, especially for retirees, is dividing their, um, their super into different buckets, right? So as an example, you might have your, your income bucket. This is the money that I think I'm gonna be drawing on a regular basis. And typically, there are different ways to do this, but typically you wanna have maybe one, two years worth of drawings in, you know, in, in a cash style, in a cash investment. So what you're saying is the rest of my money is invested, it's working for me. This is the pot that I'm gonna be drawing on and using for the next few years. So that does two things. It gives you certainty, right? So I know mm -hmm. my income is secure regardless of what, whatever is happening with the market for the next you know, one or two years. Mm -hmm. Any big expenses like, you know, overseas holidays, maybe not now, mm. but maybe you're going to go and buy those, a car. Yeah, absolutely. So all of those, all those type of expenses, you want to have that money in cash because you never want to go, you never want to sell your super to get access to that money when markets are going down. Mm -hmm. So that's the first bucket. Then the second bucket is more your, you know, what's my three to five year expenses you know so let's say i'm spending fifty thousand dollars a year over five years there's two hundred fifty thousand dollars well that two hundred fifty thousand dollars i want to have that in an investment that gives me maybe you know slightly secure return but maybe slightly higher return so typically i would have that in more like you know your government bonds and, and things like that where it's it's there it's secure so what that does for my clients is for five years their income is secure. So regardless of whatever is happening with the market, they never have to worry about where their investments are for the next five years. They can still support themselves. And then what's left over, I guess this is our growth bucket. This is the start, this is the bucket that we're gonna try and make work, make it grow, so that over time their superannuation lasts for as long as possible. And then, you know, every year we rebalance the buckets, we top the buckets up and, and so forth. But that's, the, that's one strategy that some, some of my clients have been looking at to make sure that they're managing through, you know, the markets up and downs and, you know, their, their lifestyle is protected and their, you know, retirement savings are also, you know, doing what they should be doing, which is providing them with, uh, with an income to support their lifestyle. So th that's another strategy that I use as well. That's a great strategy. I do something similar, but not at like um, the, the, the five-year period. I, I sort of, I have that all together. So I guess it's still in a bucket, but I've just not even articulated it like that. I like that way because, uh, so I'm learning something here because it's all about um, how we share this information. And because right. again, it's, it's a mindset. We've all got to understand it. We're, you know, if you understand it and it makes sense to you, you're most likely going to, it's going to work for you. So um, that, you know, that strategy, I mean, obviously that I've got my investment in, in, in sort of a platform and it's all there, but if I could actually just divide it and say, well, that's what this is and this is the growth part of it and there's the income. I do exactly the same thing. Yeah. I just have that money sitting outside in a cash style, sometimes in term deposits, but it's there, it's liquid, it's available when you need it because there's nothing worse than having a client contact you and say, I had a credit card payment and I couldn't actually make it. Correct. Uh, and, Correct. you know, we're, and so it's available and ready to go. And if they want to do a big drawing, um, you know, sometimes to, I get, you know, clients will call me and go, okay, I, I'm thinking about upgrading the car. Can I? And it's like they're asking me for permission. It's their mm -hmm. money. Of course they can. But what they're asking me isn't actually whether, you know, I'm not in control of their finances. It's again giving 
a sense of certainty and um you know is this saying, going to affect my future my, my savings if, if i do this yeah and it then is a great opportunity to have that conversation and go well this is how we've got it worked out so that these items can and if if, if there was a bigger um you know drawing than what we'd planned then we've got to do what we've done with that client i spoke about we've got to just restructure things around and go okay we might have to adjust the strategy or mm. look at the time frames that we've we've put in place and go that that might not happen so the other i mean the other thing is talking about time frames is these scenarios we, we deal with like a COVID or the gfc or um you know we've had some bit of volatility over the last decade when they happen, they affect um, people's investment returns and that can cause a setback. So the challenge we're facing, faced is finding the right investment um, strategy and ensuring that it's diverse, it's, ensure, it's meeting the client's risk uh, profile or risk appetite, meaning are they comfortable enough when the markets are volatile to be at a loss at some times and then again at other times and are they prepared to ride it out for that period of time and how long are they prepared to ride that out for so these are important things to understand when you are looking to invest and actually put a plan together and um, so i hope i'm not talking too technical here and that's why i would love to have feedback to this um podcast because we will be building um, a webinar and if people are really interested, we'll keep doing them um, because I think, you know, as you said, Frank, education is key um, when it comes to our finances and future-proofing our finances. Yeah, and, and for most people, for most clients, they don't have to know the you know, little minute details about how financial markets work. Um, they just need to understand how is my investment invested number one where is it invested and what potentially can i expect the good and the bad absolutely right? um most people are simply looking at oh what's the return on that oh it's got 10 percent. oh great i'll put money into that but um it's really understanding the good and the bad um and that's what really helps you to actually do well over the long term effectively as well um yeah yeah so, so i spend a lot, a lot a lot of time with my clients just really giving them a good, um, I guess, educating them on my framework of how I go about investing in the portfolio, making sure that they understand and actually buy into, you know, my framework of, of investing the money for them. And then, you know, and then go from there. But it's critical to understand it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, speaking of, um, uh, in, you know, returns of investment, interest rates and everything um, and time, it just oh, occurred to me. You move on, oh, yeah. Before you move on, I just I was thinking about something about um so so Melo we've been talking about you know budgeting and and super and, and so forth right. The other thing that uh, I've been talking to my clients about, especially the younger ones, right. So the clients that maybe you've got a family, you might have a mortgage, and, and you know you, you you're looking to grow your wealth over the long term. One of the things that we spoke about earlier was interest rates are so low. Um, yes. Maybe this is where you're going. So I, I was like, going there. You're going here, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so rates, interest rates are so low, right? And not only that, there are so many lenders at the moment out there, whether it's you know, your banks or your fintechs and, and so forth, who are offering very, very competitive interest rates. So yeah. anybody who has a mortgage and they haven't really looked at their, they haven't you know, negotiated a good deal with their bank, 
that's the first thing I'll be doing right now is hundred percent. Can I reduce the, can I lower the rate on that yep. mortgage? And because that would do two, two things, right? The first thing that will do is, you know, it's going to lower your repayment, your interest repayment, which means if you continue to make the same payment as you've been making, well, you're paying off that thing a lot faster. Absolutely. Right? And you're creating an asset that yeah. you own and not a bank. And not a bank. And, and most of us, you know, um, the goals that we have is I want to pay off my, my mortgage. Well, this is now the opportunity of a lifetime, right? Interest rates are as That's low right. um, as could be likely going to be. We're not going to see negative rates. Negative thinking, negative rates. How would that work? Um, probably we're not, right. <laughs> we're not going to see that. So we're probably as low as we're going to go. So you should really be refinancing your mortgage and you know getting that rate as low as you can. And you know you can approach your current bank, or there are typically typically mortgage brokers out there who will shop on your behalf. For, yeah. for a good deal and um that's a really good opportunity for people to start doing that right now absolutely i mean debt reduction is a massive thing that i focus on with my clients um you know i've, I've had so we've all seen the good the bad the ugly if you've got a mortgage and you've got credit card debt and personal loans my advice would also be if you can and you've got enough equity on that property to refinance and clear all your debt because yes, yes. the banks money the banks earn the the most of their money out of credit cards and um, personal loans they're not making you know they are making money out of the interest on mortgages but if they're low and you're looking at 2.9 percent for example versus a credit card that's sitting nearly at 20 percent mm-hmm. clear that debt and if you you know you think oh but it's a safety net no it's not if you actually think about it you understand how compounding interest works. Your credit card debt's pulling you backwards, whereas your savings and investing is pulling you forwards. If you've got a bit of both, you're going nowhere. Yeah. Um, that's how I look at it. In fact, you're probably taking two steps backwards and only one step forward if you actually are using credit cards. So my, my advice would be get rid of them unless you've got a point system and you clear it every single month and you have that discipline, then my advice would be get rid of them um, and banks would probably hate me saying that, but it just makes no financial sense. If you are like, um, what, you know, you like to buy things on online and, you know, luxury items can be a bit of a hit to your weekly fortnightly budget. Look at things like zip pay, after pay, which don't have the yes. interest rate like credit cards. Um, yes. And you can actually and, and, and incorporate yes, that into your budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can you incorporate that within, into it. Absolutely. Yeah. So these are little tips that um, you can consider on how do I get a handle over my finances and future proof uh, myself so that you've got that. We go back to the beginning of, the, um, of this podcast and think about the fixed and your variables and your savings. If we can get you in a place where you've got a really nice, comfortable savings, plan, uh, savings safety net and you've got your insurances and you've got your, you know, everything's running smoothly, automated bills are being paid, your variables you know exactly what you can spend week in week out then you grow from there you can start building an investment plan so you've got your mortgage re- refinanced you're knowing where you're going with your super you know and yes. you understand how you're invested once you've got the handle of that you'll be able to take your own personal finances from just a savings account that's earning absolutely no interest to something very similar to how your superannuations invested and maybe you have a you know a growing um, 
investment plan as well as mm. your mortgage. You know, so there's, there's all these things you can build on top of to keep growing. Yeah, and, and the other, other part to this as well, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, Warren Buffett says, you know, be greedy when other people are, you know, being scared and, and vice versa, right? And I was thinking about this and, you know, the clients that I've had that have done really well, they've done very well when there's a crisis, right? And the reason why is that in times of crisis, they've had a safety net, they've had money aside, they've, <laughs> they've, you know, they, they had the right investments, you know, investment asset allocation from the start, which meant when an opportunity, so they don't see a crisis as a crisis, for them a crisis is an opportunity to go and buy stuff on sale, right? So they've been able to, you know, invest in, you know, at a time people are very, very scared. And in turn, they've been able to, you know, make a lot of money. So the, the upside to having a safety net is not only that you've got your safety there, but when opportunities to take advantage of really good, I mean, I look at, you know, where, where shares were back in March and April compared to where they are today. And you're like, only if I had put in $20,000 into Afterpay, I'd, you know, I'd be 10 times as much, right? So um, it's those opportunities that tend to come up when, you know, when you least expect them, but when you're prepared and you've got a good plan in place, you can take advantage of them. And um, that's the one thing that people don't really think about. And I also re remember back in, in 07, in 08, when we had the great financial crisis, right? Markets yeah. come down very quickly and all that kind of stuff. And I remember um, in, in 07, I'm not sure if you recall, um, this is what was when Peter Costello said, you know, people can put in a million dollars in super and they had to do it by June 30. Those were the days. I <laughs> remember days, that. Right? I was at St. George at that time. So yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah. And I remember, so, you know, um, you know, how much people put money into super in 07. And of course, you know, it went down afterwards. But the thing was, um, interest rates came down very quickly. Um, I remember rates, interest rates at, you know, seven, eight percent for mortgages. But then we had a GFC and interest rates came down very quickly. But the, you know, you, you and I, you're, you're Gen Zs and, you know, you're Gen Ys. But I look at what actually happened to property after that, right? Before that time, property was just going up and, you know, 5%, you know, 4% a year. But between 07 or, or, or 08 and, you know, call it two years ago, um, 2018, property prices doubled. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm thinking about okay, all those people who had a savings plan had an opportunity to go and, you know, buy property in, in a time when rates are really low, right, and actually do very well. So the upside to having a safety net and, and being in a good financial position is that you can actually take advantage of, you know, crisis when opportunities come up. For me, I, I encourage my clients to, that's the benefit of actually being in a really good financial place. Right, is you Absolutely. do well when there's a, when there's opportunities come up. Absolutely. Um, well, as you said, there's been a lot of like a lot of uh, discounted stock, so to speak. Now, I wanted to talk about that um, more in detail because we were having a chat about the where where there's growth um, yeah. and where there's you know and and where we could look at because those who actually have an understanding of investing but don't don't know where to look at, um, first of all, I'd say get advice, but um, if you sort of are the do-it-yourself kind of thing, um, 
What kind of, uh, I, I've got a clear idea of what investments you're going to say. So I want you to share some of the investments that you think would be a great idea at this time in this, in this, in this current situation, this current environment. Okay. Well, let me take a minute just to give you, I guess, the framework in which I operate under, right? Yeah. So I think about where we are in the economic cycle, right? And also what tools governments and central banks have to basically you know, get the economy growing and save us from disasters. And typically, you know, we know it as monetary policy or interest rates, right? And fiscal policy, which is government spending. Mm-hmm. So if you think about monetary policy, right, most of us really know about rates going up and rates going down. Well, that's the first phase of monetary policy. When rates hit zero, right, if, and you have a crisis, they can't stimulate anymore by cutting interest rates. So now they have to go and buy financial assets, right? And so in 07, people, you know, you hear this buzzword QE or quantitative easing, and all that is is central banks printing money and going and buying assets, right? What does that do? That puts money back in the financial system. Banks can lend again, and we can go and get loans to go and buy homes and so forth. That's one of the reasons why we saw you know, a big, massive increase in house prices. But then you get to a point where that doesn't quite work as well anymore. Um, now you basically go into a situation where the governments now have to give money to people to go and spend. So things like JobKeeper is actually, and you know, it's a government putting money into people's hands. So what does that really mean? Well, when you're printing money, the value of money goes lower. Right. So as an investor, you want to be looking at the next 10 years. If the value of money is going lower, well, what investments do I think would protect the value of my money? And one of those investments we spoke about was certainly gold. Right. So gold has been a good inflation hedge. And in times when, you know, uh, central banks are printing money, well, gold is a pretty good investment. So I've got a fair few clients with the gold allocation. The other side to that is real assets, right? So they can't make any more land. They can't make any more property. So certainly investing, and again, I'm not advising people to go and investing in property right now. I'm just talking out loud. Yeah. But, but certainly having access to real assets is very, very important. The other side of this is when I'm looking at, you know, if you look back at what's done really well during COVID and why it's done well, we look at these big tech companies. Yeah. Right now, these tech companies have done extremely well, and if you think about what, well, why have they actually done well? Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, a company like Microsoft, right, um, has got something like seventy odd billion dollars in cash. Right, Apple has two hundred billion dollars in cash. Right, so what does that mean? Well, they're not going bankrupt. Right, so um, so so they're now basically the new safety. So yeah. people invest in them because they're not going bankrupt. But the other part of that is because they're so big, um, their cost base is so low. I mean, Microsoft yeah. doesn't really, I mean, how much does it cost for you to go and you know, buy a Microsoft Teams subscription? <clears throat> the cost base is very low. So these companies <coughs> have become very, very profitable and they're good cash generators. So they've done extremely well. So, you know, so, so a lot of my clients do have access to, you know, to tech companies and, um, and I think they'll continue to do well, mainly because they've got a low cost base and they've got this ability to generate cash. 
compared to, you know, I look at, at banks as an example. Well, banks rely on people to borrow money. Mm-hmm. And if the economy is slowing, you know, if you haven't got a job, you can't really borrow money. No. So banks will struggle in this environment, right? Yeah, so, so that's, that's, I guess, the quick rundown of, um, of you know, how, how I invest. The other part to this, of course, we talk about emerging markets. And um, what's the emerging market? Well, I mean, China, do you know that China is still an emerging market? Yet some of the biggest companies like, you know, Tencent and Alibaba, you know, these are Chinese companies that are more profitable than, you know, yeah. some of the companies that we know here. And so investing in emerging markets well, is, is critical as well. Alibaba is one of their tech tech companies. Yeah, tech companies, yeah. absolutely. And it's been doing really well for the last several years. So yeah. if you're on that ride, you're doing, you would have um, enjoyed that. Absolutely. <laughs> now, of course, you're still going to have a portfolio. You're still going to have a, a well-diversified portfolio in, in that context. Um, but this is where the advisor can help you. It can say, mm-hmm. well, how much money should we invest in, in, you know, in gold and, and so forth? And you know, how does that work as being part, part of the portfolio? The, the last thing I want to say there is um, um, it, we think about the, you know, um, having defensive, right? So fixed interest bonds is what we think about. Yes, correct. Um, Straight away, fixed interest and yeah. bonds. So, and that's right now is really incredibly important. Incredible. So that, would, that would be in your second bucket. In the second bucket, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say that, but I knew we were going to talk about this later, so I just bit my tongue. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the, the last thing I've been doing there is, you know, um, you, you can buy these called inflation-protected bonds, right? So what these bonds do is that their capital base adjusts as inflation goes up. So when the governments are printing a lot of money, typically at some point in time that will cause inflation. Yes. So I've made a little change to my call it defensive portion, defensive bucket for my clients into more inflation protected, protected bond as well. So um, that's some little nuance that can actually really help people uh, protect their portfolios against against inflation when it does come up as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, right, right now, I mean, I hundred percent agree with everything you just said. We were talking about that a week or so ago. Um, we're building. Um, portfolio within in-house again um just with a lot of those philosophies for our clients obviously everyone has their own risk appetite so the weightings of assets will be would vary from person to person so there's no one size fits all um and i know you do you probably do the same thing and those who want to go out there and invest on their own there's probably uh, you know, simple simple ways of doing it through, you know, the use of ETFs and such where you've That's just right. protecting yourself a little bit and you've got some diversification. So you can actually go and get an ETF that is in technology, for example, and has exposure to some of those um, assets That's we talked nice. about. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, that there are things that you can look into. And, and I spoke with Naomi Christopher from um, Implemented Portfolios on ETFs and, uh, she's in a previous podcast as well. So if you want to know what that is all about, I would have a look and listen to to that and reach out to um, either myself or Frank or, or even Naomi on that topic. Um, but as we've said throughout this entire podcast, it's imperative that you get advice. If you don't get advice, do not take it. Anything that we're saying as advice, this is general advice only. This is merely a conversation to help people understand what's really going on 
and how they can take more control over their finances. So I just yeah. want to, again, the disclaimer is going to keep coming out it's there just to cover ourselves. Very general. It's, you need to seek advice. And this is where the advisor can help you. And also, Absolutely. I mean, I recognize that things change. So um, the other part that was really important, if, if you haven't reviewed your portfolio in a long time, you should go in and see, see your advisor and get it reviewed. And mm. as, as part of what you and I do as well, we regularly review our portfolios and make changes as new information becomes available. As and, well. and rebalance. I mean, I've just uh, done a, yeah. a review on clients that have been too busy to come and see me. You know, you send out emails, you just make phone calls and you get nowhere. And it's, it's, everyone's busy and I, we get that. It's really important to try and take that time out to spend an hour with your advisor just to get a handle on things, but understand that your advisor is rebalancing your portfolios without, you know, that's part of the service. We're making sure that you're not going to end up heavily weighted on an asset because it's yeah. it's performing better than, than, you know, others and then hit this kind of crisis and it, it falls over. You don't want to be in that position. So be aware of these things. And if you have got an advisor and you're not sure you're getting this service, Certainly ask the question, Are you, is my portfolio being rebalanced? What does that mean? Um, right. Have you reviewed my, my um, risk profile? Uh, how am I invested? All of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. important you know and be in, uh, in control of that. Speaking of which, I was speak, uh, talking to um, a new client just mm. uh, the other day. She's a retiree, felt self-funded, and she came. She contacted me after the bank who she's been with, who has given her an advisor on and off for years. She's changed hands within a, she's had four financial advisors in the last 18 months with this bank and obviously quite unhappy about it because she has to kind of share her story all over again and, yeah. you know, go through everything. And, and the, the, more, the most frustrating thing she found out of that was that although, um, she, you know, you tick the boxes on your risk profile and questionnaire. She understood that it may come up to say that she's a quite conservative. She said, oh, I, of course I've got these concerns because the finances, because her husband's got Alzheimer's, the finances are solely on me. And I have two adult children who need my help from time to time and one's just recently divorced. So, yes, I, I've got those concerns, but I still want to be invested where I can see some growth. So what she was saying was, I want to know that I've got some level of security, but I still want to be invested where I'm going to get some returns. And that information was lost on this advisor. He went with just the box ticking process, didn't understand, like didn't listen to her and what she was saying is she was wanting to be invested with some growth assets, but also I keep in mind that Mm. a portion of her portfolio does need to have that security exactly like what you were saying about the buckets having that income having some short you know that period of time between one and five years that you've got the guaranteed amount there and then a a nice chunk of that money that's going to be in some growth that's going to keep going and rolling because you're not going to use that immediately that's what she was asking for but she was put into a very conservative investment Mm. and really Mm. frustrated by that so be mindful we're all advisors you know are here to help and make sure that when you are looking for that financial advice that you are being listened to and you gel well with that person because i believe it's a long-term relationship you know um i 
got this client because her daughter was a client of mine and I've been working with her daughter for about five years, yeah. actually longer, actually longer than that now, I think. We're going on to seven, to be honest with you. Now that scares me. Um, so, you know, that that's um, the, the point I was saying is if you are going to seek advice or uh, it is a long-term relationship, so you really want to know that you're gelling with that person they understand what you need or how you communicate. Yeah, and I've got a story to share on that, that one as well. Um, so I remember, I think I told you about this one. I had a client um, back in back in 07, and I, I really remember this client because she really changed how I thought as an advisor. So a young advisor, you know, I've read the textbooks, I know how to advise you. And her situation was her and her husband had um, motels up in Port Macquarie, and uh, fortunately her husband had just passed away and she really did not want to be running a motel anymore. So she sold, sold that and, you know, had some money to invest. And she actually had the opposite problem. You know, I sat down and I was working for the bank at the time, right? And I sat, sat down with her and she came out as actually quite a growth investor as well because, you know, her experience and her knowledge of how markets worked and, um, so she came as a growth investor. You know, so I remember my advice to her was, hey, you know what? This, well, these boxes of ticks say that you are, you're a growth yes. investor. So, so I think you should go into a growth profile, a growth, a growth portfolio. And she said to me, Frank, look, I am now, I want to retire. I don't want to worry about my, my money, right? I just want to know it's there. It's giving me a return and you know, I want to go into more of a conservative portfolio. I said, no, 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 no. You, know, you, should, you should be in a growth portfolio. She goes, no, I don't want a growth portfolio. I want to go into conservative. And of course, you know, as a bank advisor, you know, you give the warnings, well, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the reason why this client really stuck in my mind was literally a few months later, the GFC took up into cold, right? And I went back and I looked at my recommendations to her compared to the portfolio that she had. And surely enough, right, um, her portfolio had done a lot better because she was conservatively invested yeah. compared to what I had recommended to her, right? And to this day, you know, she's, she's still got money. She's still very comfortable traveling around the world and she's quite happy. But she, that stuck in my mind. And um, ever since, it, the, the reason why I insist for clients to have some sort of an understanding of where the money is going, ultimately, it's their money, right? They're responsible, for, they're responsible for it. Yes, they're getting advice and they're trusting on an advisor, but you need to know where your money is going. You need to know what the good, the bad, and the ugly of it and take charge, right? So, and, and, and again, being listened to is very, mm -hmm. very important. If you're not being listened to, that should not be your advisor. That's right. right. Um, yeah, so, so, so to me, uh, you know, I, I really second, you know, um, what you've done for this client and really listen to them and actually make sure that whatever you're recommending is actually meeting and achieving their goals. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not always about, it's, you know, there's no cookie cutter scenario you know, outcome. We have those, those questionnaires and you'll get, you know, a lot of questions when, when you meet with an advisor, but that's to really get a big picture. Um, and you know, they are, they're, we're, we're guided and regulated by ASIC, but, the other part of that is we now have FASEA and the fact is our job is to understand our client in their best interest. Um, yeah. So if the client is saying, I 
want to know that I've got security with the money, but I also want to be well invested and I'm, I'm prepared for volatility to ensure the return. Right. And they sound like they are understanding exactly what they want. Like this client, this woman did, it was, you know, I just went, I'd be offended by some an advisor who <laughs> basically made me out like I didn't know what I was talking about. That's, it's mind bloody money, you know. Yeah. It's <laughs> like that. That's something you've got to be careful about. So, yeah. um, our job is to ensure that you're you. kicking, you yeah, yeah, and kicking your goals. You know, yeah. So it's not just about investing. It's all about that. You know, the cash flow, the insurance, the, you know, and knowing that you've got some of these objectives that are getting met along the way. It's a short term, yeah. medium, and long term. And, and also, and also, like um, the whole thing about, I typically ask my clients after I have an idea of their, their uh, risk profile, I'll typically ask them. So, what's your understanding of being conservative or risky? What do those words actually mean to you? And I had an interesting response a little while ago. I had a client that said to me, Frank, my profile says that I'm conservative. That's what my profile says, but conservative to me it actually means i'm quite happy investing all my money in blue chip shares i know they go up and down but i know that those companies are going to be there you know whether it's hailing you know whatever in terms of disaster those companies are still going to be there and um i thought hang on a second so you should really be a growth investor but my profile is saying that you're a conservative investor so it's being able to have that further discussion to really work out well what does that really mean for you as a client you know are you correct you know what does conservative actually mean and what does you being risky you know for some people being risky it's going into the casino that's being risky right um but you know investing in tesla is not risky for them right so you know it's really getting an understanding of you know of uh, what that really means for each person um, absolutely yeah. another thing to consider with your investing and this is a big question i ask with um in my fact finding more so in the initial phone call um that i have with the client before the fact find meeting is what motivates and why why you know um that conversation i had with naomi in that podcast earlier i mentioned the the point of um we're talking about ETFs is you've got to find the reason the why um, if it's a cost-effective easy simple way of investing there's the why you know um, it's not the how and the details and the all the tech tech discussion like you know that we could very easily fall into and spend mm-hmm. you know go into the abyss of tech talk um, financial jargon the point is why are you motivated now to seek advice or invest you know the conversation I had with a client the other day, he called up and goes, I, I, I want to know how to invest. And I was like, great. What exactly are you after? Now I wanted to know, do you, are you wanting to create your own portfolio? Do you want to, are you thinking I'm, I'm going to be your broker or, or you get, are you seeking advice to grow and to, you know, be, you know, as we saw, future proof your finances so that you've got safety nets and you're creating wealth and you've got, you know, and when we uncovered it, well, he was seeking advice. He doesn't want to do it himself. He doesn't want to be the stuff, you know, go on Comsec and buy his shares and, you know, and watch, um, you know, the candlesticks move. <laughs> he doesn't want to do any of that. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and that's, a, that's too technical. Everyone's busy. You know, we're all experts in our own field. Um, if you want to do that, that's great. Um, and there's a lot of courses and there's a lot of know-how. But, um, you know, I 
you know, we do some of that ourselves, but we've got my husband, between my husband and I, you know, there's years and years and years of experience with him, three degrees, four degrees in finance and economics. Like, so, you know, he's, he's got, he's got a handle over it, you know, and and he's got the time and he's got three big screens. I if we were doing this recording next door, you wouldn't be able to see he's in there, but you wouldn't be able to see his face because he's got three big screens because he's got, you know, the Australian Stock Exchange on that screen and emails and stuff going on there and something else going on there, you know, that's how he operates. We all don't have that, that um, you know, ability to do that. So seeking advice, understanding your why is all about actually um, I really wanting to learn how to buy and sell shares. Mm-hmm. Do I really, do I know what I'm doing to build my own portfolio or do I want someone to explain it, show me what they're doing, how it's being done, how my money's being invested. So I have a clear idea of understanding so I can be involved in the decision-making, they right. can handle it for me. And that's what we do. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, clients should definitely really question the advisor. Hey, how, how do you approach investing? You know, um, you know, do you outsource everything to somebody else or do you actually know where my money is going? Because you're advising on that money. It's yeah. a good question. So, I've had that a few you, times. <laughs> Are you invested in what I'm invested in? Exactly right. You know, you know it's like, well, you know, you've got well, to put your money. Really, I, you I have to say absolutely when, you know, with that question, I had to say absolutely yes. Um, and since then things have changed, you know, and yeah, what yeah. we're doing right now, and I'm, I've got a huge amount of work on my hands in the next, uh, you know, three or four months with all of my clients because we're creating a new portfolio for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Record of advice, here we come. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, the, the last thing I was thinking about as well, and, and somebody made this comment to me, right? Um, most people, when it comes to their money, they start planning when it's too late, right? So I, I look at, you know, half so my clients true. who are approaching retirement, right? Um, they approached it, well, they're looking at it too late. You know, you're looking at your super when you're 50, You've missed quite a few years, right? And um, so, so starting early is, is a critical thing. Hundred percent. Right? You, you don't have to do as much. You actually do a lot less compared to looking at you know yeah. So, so starting early is very very critical. Um, and I'm thinking about you know my brother who is you know in his twenties, and the only thing that he can think about right now is just paying for for his bills. But the reality is, you know, you you he's got goals, he's got dreams, and, and things like that. But none of them will come to pass unless he actually sits down and actually has a plan, um, you know, because I think once it's on paper, it's now, it's serious. You can't walk away from it, right? So Once you know, you can't unknow it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think sitting down, studying early, and then you don't have to know everything, but you've got to know, um, you've got to build a team around you of people who, number one, are acting in your own best interest, right? So they know 100%. your goals, they know you. And they're you know invested to making sure that you're achieving your goals. I think that's uh, yeah. You know, so, so getting a good advisor around you, whether it's you know a financial advisor, an accountant, all these people that know you and um, understand you know, what makes you tick. Understand. Exactly, that's very very important. So um, so anybody that I've seen that has done well mm. has, has a good team around them. Um, yeah. It's important to find your team, but as you said, it's important to start, to start early. immediately, immediately. Yeah. Like there's, don't yeah. put it off. Um, the younger you are, the better. I have had clients come to me and they're facing retirement and they're at panic stations and it's a really frustrating place for them 
and a very scary place for them when they're facing retirement and know they don't have enough to retire with. Yeah. You don't really want to be in that position. Um, I mean, those those clients actually own their own home and everything, so asset rich in some respects, but cash flow poor. Um, but the, the fact is, as we talked about before, our retirement savings plan, whether it be superannuation, KiwiSaver, uh, 401k or you know, UK pension, whatever whatever that is, or there might be, there's many others, but they're the basics that I've sort of, I know of that I've worked with. Um, whatever they may be, it's important to understand that that may be one of the biggest assets you will ever own. That's I've right. been in a room full of people and I've asked anyone, you know, raise your hand if you know the your, your super balance and you get a couple. Good, good raise your hand if you know the value of your home. Everyone knows the value of their home. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they're like, I know the value of this house and I rent it. Um, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I would love to yeah. buy it, you know. It's like the, yeah. it's, it's that home that you just want to own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everyone kind of has an idea of what the property value is down the road and what the property value of average median house prices in, yeah. say, Maribor or Kensington yeah. or Randwick. Next door neighbour just sold. I know how much they sold for. Exactly. <laughs> I, know, I know down the road what they've sold for. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know exactly what my superannuation is doing. Yeah. Um, I did a little post the other day on Instagram and, you know, I, used, I did the calculations. I used an example of um, a woman in her 30s who was putting $15,000 towards her super, which included mm-hmm. um, her super guarantee with a rolling sort of 6% return. So yeah, yeah. because she's in growth, we expect some some years to be higher, some years to be lower, but we just average that out to be about 6%. Um, and at retirement, with just that 15000 year in, year out, mm-hmm. She'll have two million dollars to to yes. to have now. Yes. If we get that advice early enough, yeah, we would be laughing. You know, yeah. there's and tax just, free, by the way, tax free. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. They all other countries have um, tax effective strategies for retirement plan because mm. the governments don't want to be um, carrying that load. Absolutely. And and neither, the, neither the neither the neither the children. Neither the kids, you know. Neither kids, who's, yeah. Whose responsibility is our financial future but us? Yeah. yeah. Because we've got to take that um, and run with it, really, and take yeah. that responsibility and go, okay. And the first class, you know, going back to the very beginning, the first part of this is getting control of your cash flow. It's yeah. very simple. It, it starts the money coming in. What do you do with it? Yep. So if you can start there and then build from that, it is it does take discipline, but if you've got the goals, and that's the second thing I think is great motivated, get some goals in place. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you did talked about with your fitness, um, you know, you you'll start reaping the benefits over time. I follow James Clear, who does um okay. he it's the one minute Oh, I've forgotten the book. I've read the book. One minute, now, one minute financial plan or something? No, no, no. James Clear's yeah. a, um, habit, changing habits, breaking habits and right. creating okay. new habits, you know, great, uh, atomic habits. That's the book. Atomic habits. Okay. Great, yeah. James Clear, atomic habits. Now he sends me in my inbox every Friday quotes, motivations and, um, you know, ideas. So you get three things. And the con- the idea, you know, one of the things is it takes a very small change minor change but like compounding interest you take mm, one change mm. every single day 
it actually has this massive it compounds on it compounds so yeah, yeah. it's a, it's the same as getting your mindset right around your finances changing a little habit and that habit then has effect on other habits Absolutely. and so on and so forth. So if you are going to be doing anything to change and future-proof your finances, the first part is changing your, you know, the way you're managing your money. Yeah, right that now. Would be, you, can, you can do that right now today and it's going to have an immediate impact. Absolutely. I, believe, I mean, I, I know we're giving each other a bit of a plug. We're both financial advisors. If you don't want to talk to us, that's fine. But you've got to get hold of someone and, and have a chat and get advice. I do believe it's invaluable. I mean, you know, we all have to earn a quid here and there, but (laughs) I look at it and go, well, if, if my client that, for example, um, who had a massive loss in March hadn't come to me, Mm. um, and we didn't pick that issue up, that $200,000 loss will never be recovered. Yeah. It would just keep being, it would actually have slowed him down by years. Yeah. So, you and know, you probably, probably would, have, would have sold that investment at a low, at, 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 at a, a much lower anyway. low, yeah, yeah. crystallize that loss, yeah. So, you know, we've you've got to look at all of it. That's a great yeah. um, concept of crystallizing loss. You've got to look at it from all different angles, but it's important that you be proactive around your money when this is a time where we cannot be complacent. I think everything, and, and everyone's I'll, learned I'll, that lesson. <laughs> And I'll add to what you're saying as well, as you're talking and I'm thinking, oh, hang on a second. Um, you know, I've got five, five girls, right? <clears throat> I've got five daughters. And I'm thinking, actually, the other part to this as well, we haven't spoken about this, maybe for another podcast, is, you know, you've got to have, you can sit down with your partner and really make sure that you both have the same goals and you both go to the same places. Yeah. Um, but I'm also very conscious about the fact that, you know, um, we have, the divorce rate in Australia is over over 50%. And typically it's the women that get the short end of that stick, right? You know, you end up, you know, you haven't taken time to look after your family, look after the kids, you know, in the workforce and he is, he's got, you know, experience and all that kind of stuff. And typically women do worse out of that situation, right? Yeah. And it takes them, and not only that situation, but going forward, you know, um, let's say you've given up working in a corporate environment, you, you, you haven't got the same skills, you can't get those roles again, you tend to end up in a worse place. So um, so I'm not saying plan for a divorce, but, you know, you should no. start thinking about, well, you know, you should start taking charge of um, your, yeah. your financial future together, if that makes sense, right? So that, that way to make sure that you secure your future as well, um, you know, yeah. So and yeah. that's something else from the podcast, but I'm thinking it could be an entire <laughs> episode. Um, I've, I, you know, there's a, a email that I follow, um, sort of a media um, group called Financy, um, right. and she came from the AFR. So she was at Australian Financial Review. She has a finance a Financy index. So that index actually um, calculates where women are sitting in terms of mm. financial equality. We, there's a massive gap between women and men. I think it's about 42% between our retirement savings. So that's quite massive. So um, I agree with you on that. Women do to get the shortest end of the stick. I work with a lot of divorced women and I've myself been divorced. So I know what that's like. And raising kids, you work part-time or you You don't work at all. You do, you sacrifice a lot for your financial, uh, family, but the biggest financial Um, biggest sacrifice I'm going to say is your finances, is financial Correct. sacrifice. Yeah. 
So it's really important with your partner to work on, you know, how are you going to fix that gap and, you know, along the way as well. And one of those strategies I've got my clients, and I could talk all day, and I know we've, we've gone well over an hour here. Um, it's fine, right? Well, it's, it's a good conversation, <laughs> yes. Um, and we could probably do this, split this in two. Um, but uh, one of my clients, one of the strategies, she is back in the workforce and she is earning nearly $100,000. And yes. um, his, his um, super's doing really, really well. Um, but she, their, cash, their kids have just left the nest and... You know, she hasn't, they haven't got much in terms of um, mm. costs anymore, like for the kids. So she can salary sacrifice a lot of money. Yeah, so it's a big Correct. Yeah, yeah, Correct. Yeah. And she's encouraged to do it. She's actually really wanting to do that. So she's happy to do that. Um, you know, it means that he's going to be doing more of the household spending, and that's okay. Yeah, that's all yeah. good. So we've just reshuffled stuff. So these are the things that you can do with an advisor is yeah, restructure the way you spend, uh, salary sacrifice, all of that kind of thing. No yeah. one size fits all. There's a value, that's the value of advice, right? It, it's to get you to a much better place than, you know, than, than where you're headed for. Um, and, but you've got to have goals, right? You've got to have goals and you've got to be motivated to. Yeah. Um, I don't like working with clients who are not motivated to achieve their financial goals. Um, no. I, I um, want them to be part of the journey, not me being the driver and, you know, the, the Chasing them. 100%. Um, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. definitely it's a partnership. Now I'll recap the key things. We're going to put a little fact sheet on the website mm. and I'll send that to Frank so he can put it on his. Um, and we will be doing a webinar and I'd love feedback on um, what things you want to hear from us in the webinar. Um, but recapping is cash flow is king. Yes. Saving safety net. Refinance if you can, if you've got a mortgage. Get Take advantage of these low interest rates. Clear unnecessary debt like credit card debt and whatnot. Grow your wealth uh, once your safety net's built. Build on top of that with a wealth creation plan. Know your super or your retirement savings plan. Understand how you're invested. Make sure that your investment plan is working for your goals. So understand that you know, we talked about, Frank put it beautifully, you've got, if you're at retirement, you've got your, you know, your cash there and then you've got sort of a, a more conservative structured investment plan for the short term and then more of a growth plan for the long term that can ride through the volatility understand that that's how these you know the investment strategies can work for you so they're the key things i think that was eight points there um, <laughs> yes yeah, so they're hopefully um good now for you guys to take on future proof your finances thank you so much frank for sharing this um spotlight with me it was it's really great fun. talking yes fun. it has been fun yeah. i think we got to do a few more of these and i look forward to doing this webinar yep wonderful all right take care